0: M S W Media Thanks to AG1 for supporting our show. If you want to take ownership over your health, try AG1 and get a free 1-year supply of vitamin D and 5 free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com/dailybeans. That's drinkag1.com/dailybeans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, September 14th, 2023. Today, a judge denies a stay pending appeal for Mark Meadows in his bid to move his Fulton County case to federal court, and the 11th Circuit expedites a stay hearing for this Friday. Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis argues to the 11th Circuit that former federal officers can't have cases removed to federal court. An appeals court has denied Trump's motion to stay his E. Jean Carroll trial. A judge has unsealed the appellate court's decision on the Department of Justice's quest to access Representative Scott Perry's phone. Judge Eileen Cannon has denied Trump and Nauta's motions and granted the Department of Justice's protective order in the classified documents case. Elon Musk's Starlink mysteriously crashed last night just as Ukraine planned a coordinated drone and missile attack on the Russian Navy. Hunter Biden has filed suit against former Trump aide Garrett Ziegler for stealing and manipulating data from Hunter's iPhone Cloud account in the laptop scandal. An FBI's agent testimony debunks a Jim Jordan whistleblower in the Hunter Biden tax investigation. Mitt Romney is quitting politics and sent a bone chilling text to Mitch McConnell on January 2nd, 2021. President Biden has sent a memo to the media, and Pete Navarro tried a ridiculous Hail Mary in federal court today. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Tana Goldberg.
1: Okay, so that's a record. (laughs) I think we're going to have these from here on out, probably. At
0: least uh, every once in a while. So it's another one of those shows, my friends, today was the first day in my nearly six years of covering the news that I couldn't hold all the headlines in my head at once and think about them as a whole. Record breaking news day. And uh, there's going to be we have. So now we're going to have two segments. We're going to do our, our long story short for quick hits and then we'll have hot notes in the second segment of the show. So now might be a good time if you you know, if you haven't uh, become a patron uh, of Daily Beans and you can get these episodes ad free. Now might be a good time to do that. If you've been sort of on the fence, you know, waiting. Yeah, um, you might <laughs> might be a good time to start. Uh, you can do that at patreon.com slash wrote. All right, it is time for Long Story Short. And to make a long story short, too late. First up, a federal appeals court on Wednesday denied former President Donald Trump's attempt to stay the 2019 defamation lawsuit brought by writer E. Jean Carroll, a jury established in a related case that Trump was liable for defaming and battering Carroll. Trump had sought to pause this 2019 case in order to give him time to invoke an immunity defense. And that's what his attorney argued in a hearing on Tuesday. The appeals court Wednesday ordered both sides to submit written briefs in the next 15 days to argue whether Trump should be able to invoke immunity to shield himself from the claim. And the district court judge faulted Trump for waiting more than three years to invoke immunity long after engaging with the case. So his stay is denied. Thanks so
1: much, A.G. And U.S. District Court Judge Aileen Cannon issued a 16 page protective order granting prosecutors request for a set of rules about how classified information and documents should be handled in the case rules that conform to the general practice of federal courts. Government lawyers had fought Trump's request to be allowed to discuss classified information at Mar-a-Lago. And while Cannon's ruling does not explicitly reject it, she sided with the government and spelled out procedures that are unlikely to allow the creation of sensitive compartmented information facility, or skiff, as they call it, at the lavish estate in Palm Beach. She also denied Nauta's request to have broad access to the classified documents. You can't see those anymore, sir. Hey, G, you and Andy McCabe, you're going to go over that in extent on the next episode of The Jack Podcast.
0: Yes, yes, we will. And Donald Trump's not allowed to talk about any sensitive material either. There was a lot of orders and she basically granted the DOJ Jack Smith's requests. So interesting. And lots going down with Mark Meadows today. First, his district court stay request was denied by Judge Jones. That's his case to move the Fulton County case to federal court. He wanted to prevent the case from heading back to Georgia State Court while he appealed to the 11th Circuit. He filed a motion to the 11th Circuit to expedite his appeal. That was approved. The 11th Circuit then asked the parties to file a brief about whether former federal officers are eligible for removal to the federal court. Fonnie Willis submitted a filing saying they are not. Only current federal officers are eligible for removal to federal court. Then the 11th Circuit ordered a hearing on Meadows' stay for this Friday at 10.45 a.m. Eastern. The three-judge panel he drew is comprised of a Clinton appointee and two Obama appointees. Womp, womp.
1: <laughs> Whoopsie. And Dana, all that happened today. <laughs>
0: we'll cover it in depth on the next Cleanup on Aisle 45.
1: All right. And NBC, the FBI agent who oversaw the agency's investigation into Hunter Biden disputed a claim by IRS whistleblower Gary Shapley that the Justice Department gave a Preferential treatment to President Joe Biden's son, that's according to a transcript of an interview that was obtained by NBC News. In a September interview with the House Judiciary and Ways and Means Committees, Thomas Sobosinski refuted Shapley's claim that U.S. Attorney David Weiss had said he was not the deciding person on whether to bring charges in the Hunter Biden case. And this is a quote. I was consistently aware that David Weiss had the authority in the U.S. to bring the charges where venue presented itself, Sobosinski said. Now, the minute I got there in July of 21, it was always the understanding and the communication between David and myself that he had that authority to bring it on behalf of the department. Later, he added, and I quote, in my recollection, if he would have said that, I would have remembered it. Now, AG, Shapely says that he has contemporaneous notes backing up his account but you viewed those notes and you don't believe they do, do you?
0: No, nope, that's right. We'll cover that on the next cleanup. I also have a whole Twitter thread about the notes, dissecting them line by line if you don't want to wait for the next cleanup on our 45 episode. So there's that. Uh, also, Mitt Romney announced that he won't seek reelection in 2024. But in bigger news, in A piece in the Atlantic, there is a bone chilling text message that Romney sent to Mitch McConnell four days before the attack on the Capitol. It begins with a text message from Angus King. That's a junior senator from Maine. Quote, could you give me a call when you get a chance? Important. Now, Romney calls and King informs him of a conversation he's just had with a high-ranking Pentagon official. Law enforcement has been tracking online chatter among right-wing extremists who appear to be planning something bad on the day of Donald Trump's upcoming rally in D.C. The president has been telling them the election was stolen. Now they're coming to steal it back. There's talk of gun smuggling, bombs and arson targeting the traitors in Congress who are responsible for this travesty. Romney's name has been popping up in some frightening corners of the Internet, which is why King needed to talk to him. He isn't sure that Romney will be safe. Romney hangs up and immediately begins typing a text to Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader. McConnell has been indulgent of Trump's deranged behavior over the past four years, but he's not crazy. He knows that the election wasn't stolen, that his guy lost fair and square. He sees the posturing by Republican politicians for what it is. He'll want to know about this, Romney thinks, and he'll want to protect his colleagues and himself. So Romney sends this text. In case you have not heard, I just got a call from Angus King, who said that he has spoken with a senior official at the Pentagon who reports that they're seeing very disturbing social media traffic regarding the protests planned on the 6th. There are calls to burn down your home, Mitch, to smuggle guns into D.C. and to storm the Capitol. I hope that sufficient security plans are in place, but I'm concerned that the instigator, the president, is the one who commands the reinforcements the D.C. and Capitol Police might require. Wow. Holy shitballs. Now, McConnell never responds to that text. But aside from the they're going to burn your house down, they're smuggling guns to D.C., they did that Remember they had the whole quick reaction oh, force yeah. across the river. They're planning on storming the Capitol. But the thing that, that got me was that the president is the one who commands the reinforcements that the DC and Capitol Police might require.
1: Yeah. That's the National Guard. And he never called them out. There was so much fucking evidence leading up to this. There was so many warning signs. Yeah, and it
0: also draws into question the FBI being like, We didn't know, we didn't we had no idea. Bullshit. Oh yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. I recommend you read this
1: entire piece by McKay Coppins in The Atlantic right now. Thank you so much, A.G. And this is The Times. It seems New York City's pension funds sued the Fox Corporation and its board on Tuesday, accusing the company of neglecting its duty to shareholders by opening itself up to defamation lawsuits (laughs) at the persistent broadcasting of falsehoods about the 2020 presidential election. They are getting it from all sides, and I'm here for it. Now, the lawsuit filed in the Delaware Court of Chancery is the most significant shareholder action since Fox settled a blockbuster defamation lawsuit brought by Dominion Voting Systems in April. That was that $787.5 million settlement. Now, the city's five pension funds represent nearly 800,000 current and retired workers. That's worth about $250 billion. This is a quote. We are shareholders at a company that, unfortunately, has a long-standing practice of allowing conspiracy theories, That its executives and its board know are false to be repeated over and over and over again, despite the very clear and present risk of defamation lawsuits eroding shareholder value. That's from Brad Lander. He's New York City's comptroller, who oversees the pension funds. He went on to say, and there has been no effort to make grievance reforms. The funds are long-term shareholders of Fox Corporation, which is the parent company of Fox News, a spokesperson for the comptroller said. Now, the funds held about 857,000 shares valued at $28 million as of July 31st. The state of Oregon, representing Oregon's Public Employees Retirement Fund, joined the New York City funds in their lawsuit against Trump. Now, we're going to stay on top of this story. Sorry. Before, well, what happened? It's a lawsuit against Oh, the- Trump. Yeah. Sorry. It's just a habit by now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let's leave it in.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. See, people, I just assume, assume all lawsuits are against Donald Trump. It's that not, lawsuit's actually against Fox. It's not a bad assumption to make. I appreciate that. AG, we're going to stay on top of the story for you as it develops. <laughs> There's a Freudian slip if I've ever seen one. That was awesome. All right. We are not done with the news.
0: We still have the hot notes to get to, but we have to take a quick break. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back.
2: After these messages, we'll be right
0: If you are a longtime listener, you might know I've been drinking AG1 for about, gosh, two years now. When I started drinking AG1, the daily benefits were clear. Not only did my energy levels receive a boost, but my digestion felt more balanced and I began handling stress with ease. I hadn't expected that in a long time. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. I take it every morning before I get dressed, before I go to the gym, before I have my coffee, and it has simplified my morning routine, and it's made my wellness plans more efficient and successful. Not only did I replace my multivitamin, but I love that every scoop also contains pre and probiotics, B vitamins for energy support. I got rid of all of my additional supplements, and now it's just AG1. This is exactly what I've needed, and the change in my daily life has been remarkable. I recommend AG1 to all my family and friends because it works, and they always tell me how much more energy they have, how thankful they are that I turned them on to such an easy and simple way to make their lives better. It's only one scoop and a glass of water each day. You can't beat that. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide support my body needs daily, and that's why they've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership over your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com/slash dailybeans. That's drinkag1.com slash dailybeans. Check it out. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. From Bruggemann at ABC News, attorneys for Hunter Biden on Wednesday filed suit against a former Trump White House aide over his alleged role in publishing online troves of emails and embarrassing images purportedly belonging to the president's son. The 13 page suit filed in the federal court in California accuses Garrett Ziegler of improperly, quote, accessing, tampering with, manipulating, altering, copying and damaging computer data that they do not own in violation of the state's computer fraud laws. Ziegler, a former aide to the White House trade advisor Pete Navarro, has emerged as one of the Biden family's most outspoken critics, often using crude language to chide President Joe Biden and his embattled son online. The lawsuit describes in detail how Ziegler and 10 additional unnamed defendants, John Doe's and Jane Doe's, allegedly obtained data belonging to Hunter Biden and disseminated tens of thousands of emails, thousands of photos and dozens of videos and recordings on the Internet. Hunter Biden is seeking a jury trial to determine appropriate damages and an injunction preventing Ziegler from continuing to access or tamper with his data. Quote, while defendant Ziegler is entitled to his extremist and counterfactual opinions, he has no right to engage in illegal activities to advance his right wing agenda. That's attorneys for Hunter Biden. They went on to say, yet that is precisely what Ziegler and his so-called nonprofit research group have done. An attorney for Ziegler did not immediately respond to request for comment. On Twitter, Ziegler previously condemned, quote, the disgusting lawfare tactics by the president's corrupt and degenerate bagman and son against at M P O L O U S A after receiving a document retention letter from Hunter Biden's attorney earlier that year. Ziegler's bold investigative efforts and controversial online commentary about the Bidens, I wouldn't have bold, more like assholish, whom he has referred to as a pack of feral dogs have made him a star in conservative news outlets. He, quote, regularly brags about their illegal activities and interviews with members of the media, on social media, and on right-wing podcasts. Hunter Biden's legal team in March filed suit against John Paul Mac Isaac, that's the Delaware based computer repairman, who in April of 2019 reportedly obtained and later disseminated data from a laptop allegedly belonging to the president's son. That suit remains ongoing, and Mac Isaac has denied any wrongdoing. Attorneys for Hunter Biden have previously referred Ziegler to federal and state prosecutors for alleged criminal behavior. And in the spring, Hunter Biden's attorney, Abby Lowell, Twice wrote letters to Ziegler instructing him to preserve documents related to Hunter Biden as a letter commonly sent by attorneys before you file some law, you know, a litigation or a lawsuit since Bannon and Rudy Bannon, Steve Bannon and Rudy Giuliani are named in this lawsuit, you know, because they got this information and then handed it over to Ziegler and some of it we could find out how they got access to Biden's emails and the extent oh, wow. to which it was altered before Ziegler even got it. And then of course we know Mac Isaac got the quote unquote laptop from Rudy. So it it sounds like a, some you know, somebody hacked into into Hunter Biden's cloud account, wiped it
1: and then put together this laptop and then dropped it off at the Oh wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, unbelievable. It is scary what people can do in technology now, too. And uh, this next story, honestly, I'm tired of talking about the schmuck, but we got to do it. This is from Natasha Bertrand at CNN. Now, it would take the Senate approximately 700 hours of floor time to individually process and vote on hundreds of military officers whose promotions are being blocked by Alabama Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville And the Congressional Research Service concluded in a memo released on Tuesday. Now, the number of pending nominations has only increased since the memo was written last August, from 273 to over 300 as of today. Senate Armed Services Chairman Jack Reed, who's a Long Island Republican, asked CRS to estimate the amount of time it would take to process each of the nominees individually instead of taking them up and confirming them as a group by unanimous consent. And I quote, the only way to process multiple nominations quickly, and that's according to CRS. The Senate has been unable to confirm the nominees by unanimous consent because Tuberville said that he would object. This is based on the, as we know, the military giving abortion access. Now, he has placed a blanket hold on the nominations in protest of the Pentagon's reproductive health policies. And the pending promotions of the military officers continue to pile up, leaving hundreds of service members in limbo. Now, Tuberville has repeatedly responded to criticism of his hold by saying that Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer could theoretically bring each nominee to the floor one by one and confirm them. While technically true, doing so would take the Senate approximately 689 hours and 20 minutes of floor consideration, plus two days of session at the start of the process, for cloture to mature on 273 nominations. That's from the Congressional Research Service. That's what they concluded in their memo and went on to say, this total represents approximately 30 days and 17 hours to process all 273 military nominations, assuming the Senate worked 24 hours a day without break or interruption by other business. Alternatively, based on the above assumptions, if the Senate exclusively processed these nominations during eight-hour sessions, It would take approximately 89 days to confirm 273 nominees. Again, that is from the memo.
0: Unbelievable. All because he doesn't want to travel and leave for people who need health care in the military.
1: He hates. He's such an asshole. He hates the troops.
0: All right. Next up from CNN, the federal judge who oversaw Peter Navarro's criminal contempt of Congress conviction last week, revisited the integrity of the jury deliberations in a rare post-trial hearing Wednesday morning bringing a court security officer who accompanied the jurors into the courtroom to testify. Attorneys for Navarro, uh, as we know, former Donald Trump trade advisor, have argued that the jurors may have seen political protests during the deliberations when they took a break outdoors shortly before announcing they reached a verdict, saying it could be grounds for a mistrial. The court security officer who testified Wednesday, her name is Rosa Roldan-Torres, had escorted all 12 jurors for a short break, about 20 minutes before the jury indicated they'd reached a verdict on Navarro. Quote, I was advised by the jurors they needed to go outside and take a break. Fresh air. That's what she testified to. She took them, quote, away from the media and anybody else at the time. And uh, during their break, jurors walked by an individual with a sign reading Defend Democracy Other pro- and anti-Navarro protesters were also seen around the courthouse as the trial unfolded Thursday, but it's unclear whether those protesters were near the jurors or what the jurors saw. Torres testified that the jurors were never approached by any media or protesters who were outside the court that day, and that one person with an American flag and a sign was a distance away from the jurors outside during their break. She said she couldn't recall what the sign said. Now, Navarro attorney John Rowley told the federal judge, Amit Mehta, on Wednesday that the legal team plans to formally ask for a mistrial in the coming days. The judge didn't rule on the hearing from the bench, said he would wait to make a decision on the matter. But Amit is going to laugh this one out of court because I have been at the courthouse and those protesters are there every day. There's like three of them. And the jury, the jury doesn't beam into the courtroom. They have to walk past these people every day in the morning and in the afternoon. It's not (laughs) not like
1: that's the first, it's the dumbest. This wasn't a singular incident. It's
0: so dumb. Well, you know, these jurors live in DC and so they see protesters sometimes and uh, I can't, you know, whatever, whatever. It's dumb. It's not going to (laughs) work.
1: That's how we're ending that story. It's dumb. This one is from NBC. The White House sent a memo to U.S. news organizations on Tuesday calling on media to, and I quote, scrutinize House Republicans' demonstrably false claims surrounding their impeachment inquiry. (laughs) We're just going to leave that for y'all into President Joe Biden. Sometimes I have a hard time. You know this, people. And this is a quote from the story. It's time for the media to ramp up its scrutiny of House Republicans for opening an impeachment inquiry based on lies, said the memo which was addressed to editorial leadership at media outlets. They went on to say, when even House Republican members are admitting that there is simply no evidence that Joe Biden did anything wrong, much less impeachable, that should set off alarm bells for news organizations. I wish it would. Now, the memo was written by Ian Sams, a spokesperson for the White House Counsel's office. He also sent a 14-page appendix that rebuts seven Republican claims, and calls the impeachment inquiry all politics and no evidence. We hope this document helps provide you with factual information useful in your reporting on their unprecedented, unfounded claims underlying an impeachment inquiry without any evidence or wrongdoing. That was from Sam's. Now, the disputed claims include the allegation that Biden has participated in his family's global business ventures with America's adversaries. In response to the claim, the White House pulled portions of congressional testimony from Hunter Biden's business associate, Devin Archer, who testified that he is not aware of any wrongdoing by then Vice President Biden. And again, this is a quote, House Republican leaders should be held accountable for the fact that they are lurching toward impeachment over allegations that are not only unfounded, but in virtually all cases have been actively disproven including by witnesses and documents and their own investigations, as well as years old congressional probes and even the former president's first impeachment inquiry. That's what Sam wrote in the memo. And Sam is fucking right. Yes, Ian Sams is awesome. And I just want to give a shout out and everybody should give a, give a shout
0: out to, to Joy Reid on the readout, because I just before we sat down to record, I saw the opening of her show and she called all this bullshit out on her show. Uh, and said, why, why are some people in the mainstream media not addressing the fact? Why are you going into the process of what an impeachment inquiry looks like when there just shouldn't even be one in the first place? And and she spent a great deal of time on this. And I really, really appreciate her for doing that. So everybody, if you get a chance, if you can do it right now, go to Twitter or Instagram or wherever you do your thing, thread, whatever you do, and and just give a shout out. Tag at Readout or at, at Joy Read. And let her know you heard on the beans that she was awesome today for calling that out. Really appreciate her for doing that. All right, everybody, we have some good news, but we have to take a quick break. Stick around, we'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. good news, good news. And if you have any good news or correction, particularly of anything that I pronounce, (laughs) those are my favorite. Uh, Or if you have a confession or what else do we do? Misheard song lyrics, frog orgies, baby pictures, shout out to a small business in your area, shout out to your small business, a loved one, shout out yourself. If you want to give a shout out to yourself, something proud that you've done that you want to talk about, anything, anything at all. Uh, We love pictures of happy places, pod pet tax. If you don't have a pod pet, maybe an adoptable pet in your area, we can share, whatever it is, send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up, long story short, aluminum versus aluminum. According to WorldwideWords.org, Sir Humphrey Davy made a bit of a mess of naming this new element at first spelling it aluminum, no, aluminum, this was in 1807, then changing it to aluminum, and then finally settling on aluminum in 1812. His classically educated scientific colleagues preferred aluminum right from the start, because it had more of a classical ring and chimed harmoniously with many other elements whose names end in I-U-M, like potassium and sodium and magnesium, all of which had been named by Davy. Quote, the official change to the U-S, to the U-M spelling, happened quite late. The American Chemical Society only adopted it in 1925, Though this was clearly in response to the popular turn uh, that had already taken place. The International Union of Pure and Applied Chemistry, that's I-U-P-A-C, officially standardized on aluminium in 1990. Today, aluminium is the preferred spelling in all countries except the United States and Canada, where aluminium is still in use. Here's a link to the full article in the show notes. Well, now I feel like stupid. Like, I feel like I
1: should start saying aluminium now. (laughs) 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 <laughs> Maybe we should. Although was it al- aluminum foil? No, it's still aluminum foil, right? Well, it would be aluminum foil now. I'm not doing it. Seth is <laughs> <laughs> a true American. I love you. Fuck Dad. all.
0: I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm driving on the right side of the road. A- and
1: uh, do you have any aluminum foil? It's aluminum, <laughs> and we have herbs. Thank you. And do- then yep. Except Susie and I. I've, I researched uh, Eddie Izzard's going by Susie Izard. Okay. Yeah, so there you have that. I just wanted to make a correction for us on that. I was late to the game. Thank you, Susie. Yeah, moving on. This is from JD, pronoun she and her. Hello there, Beans Queens. I just wanted to take a moment to sincerely thank you for the incredible inspiration your podcast has been for me. Your unique way of delivering the news and building a community around is truly commendable, and I'm deeply grateful for it. Today, my pod partner, Dan, and I launched the third season of our podcast, Bandcamp. I love this, by the way, where we read banned books out loud to uncover why they face censorship. Hmm. It's our small way of fighting fascism. It's been concerning to see restrictions to books, even in places like Dayton, where here in liberal Washington state, where they will vote this November, whether to close library over concerns about inappropriate materials. Now, I truly appreciate you highlighting news that matters and your coverage of the current attacks on liberals and schools matter so much. Thank you both for your important work. A little bonus. Here's a picture of my pets, Butch and Baby, both rescues. Shout out to Homeward Pet in Woodinville, Washington for their great work. And these dogs are so fucking cute.
0: (laughs) The one on top. I love the ears so much. And this beautiful one on the bottom looks like the very soft, very velvety. Very soft. Very, very cute. Hey, that's such a cool idea. It's called Band Camp. B-A-N-N-E-D. Band Camp. If you want to look that up and check out that podcast. Um, and you know, as long as it's not like Senator Kennedy reading books about oh strap-ons God. God. And,
1: and stuff. <laughs> From the gender <laughs> queer, I was dying. I think that was called. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never recover someone hates him whoever gave that to him to read hates him uh, uh, okay all right moving on um thank you for
0: that piece of good news next up is cheryl no pronouns thank you for your great news show it gave me something to listen to when my husband of 48 years had quadruple heart bypass surgery wow we have been long time listeners since the Mueller days here's a picture of the hillside in front of our house there is one lone tree that survived a brush fire that is now surrounded by sunflowers.
1: Oh, look how beautiful. Oh, wow. Very, very beautiful.
0: Yeah, my goodness.
1: I wonder where that is. All it right. It looks
0: like a big sky area. It looks like somewhere in the Great In Plains. Montana, yeah. yeah. It's gorgeous.
1: Totally. All right. I don't have a pronunciation for this name, so I think it's Jilda, pronoun she and her. Now, I'd like to give a shout out to the women who are the backbone of another postcard group here in Washington State, Postcards for Washington. Louise, Christy, and Deb have been organizing postcarters for years. Now, this year, I took on a role organizing behind the scenes, i.e. fielding address requests and helping with data tracking. While many people think of Washington as a blue state, we have a lot of conservative here. Right now, we're writing a number of great school board candidates who opponents are being supported by a large Moms for Liberty group in Kitsap County. Now, we are supporting Susanna Johnson running for Oh, man. Snohomish County Sheriff against the incumbent, who is very much of the constitutional sheriff ilk. Uh, he ignored covid restrictions, rehired his buddies, as deputies after they were fired for cause. Oh, my. One cost the county one million in wrongful death suit. Jesus. Now we're supporting Judge Ferguson Brown for Mason County Superior Court, who was appointed by Governor Inslee. She is endorsed by all nine Washington Supreme Court justices and rated exceptionally well qualified. But Mason County is very red, and she has endured attacks by Republicans in the local media. I did this because making phone calls and asking people for money exhausted and drained me. I had to find ways to fight for democracy that this introvert could sustain. Since I'm good with spreadsheets and organizing data, Christy recruited me to help out. I want to encourage all your listeners to find ways to help out in ways that don't burn them out. Even if we get rid of Trump tomorrow, it's clear that we are stuck with a fascist-loving Republican Party for a while. This will be a marathon, not a sprint. All local elections matter. To learn more about us, please go to postcards for the number 4, WA for Washington. So postcards4wa.org. We're always looking for more postcard writers, especially if you live in Washington State. You can read about our candidates here. And this is a long link that we're going to have in the show notes. And here's a picture of one of our cats, Daisy, attempting to camouflage into the carpet.
0: (laughs) Oh, she's cute. Little tortie. Adorable. Awesome. Uh, and that's such a good point, too. You know, uh, is it uh, Hilda or Jilda? Just to be able to to do something that like some people like I don't like to go door knocking. I did. I did here in in Orange County. But it's like when you can postcard like whatever is, you know, cool with you that, that, like you said, won't burn you out. It's so, so important. And thank you for that because it feels really good to do stuff like that. It really makes a difference. All right, next up from DM Dad, Dungeon Master for D&D, not Direct Messenger. That would be creepy. AG and DG, whether this makes the good news or not, thank you both for what you do. I found you a couple of years ago through Twitter, and this show is typically part of my morning routine. The beans help me sort through the deluge of ridiculous every day, and I'm grateful for it. Not so good news first. My amazing artist spouse, Jayma, is the owner of Artificer's Archive. Link in the show notes. That's artificersarchive.com and an amazing artist. Attached is an example of what I like to call wearable art. We had an outdoor show this weekend, and a sudden storm broke her show tent legs and scattered her merch everywhere. Oh, no. no. We had to abandon the event to check inventory the next day. Good news. Some amazing friends of ours were also there and shoved what they could into bins. All said and done, she lost zero of the large pieces, mostly display items and, of course, the tent. It could have been much worse in just the time she puts into her work. She's amazing. I love her. And any extra traffic she could get would be amazing. Thank you all again. And please keep it up. No pod pet tax, but we do have a rescue from our local SPCA. Perhaps on a future good news. Instead, here's some wearable art. Oh, my. This beading work is stunning. That is really, really incredible. Yeah. So this is Artificers Archive. A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E-R-S.
1: Artificersarchive.com. Everybody go check this out. This is beautiful work. It really is. Absolutely gorgeous. Thank you so much, A G. There's just a couple left. I'm gonna take a short one. You close us out if you don't if you if you're up for it. Sounds good. This is from Cheryl, pronounce she and her. Love you, ladies, and would definitely buy a shirt or jacket with love, peace, and beans. Well, there you go, A.G. <laughs> also wanted to share that the daughter's cat just had kittens, and they are super cute. Oh, babies. Look at the little beans. Oh. Oh, my God. They are super cute. Oh,
0: love. Yeah, we're working on the love piece and beans shirt, Cheryl, so we'll let you know when that comes out. Look at the tiny babies. Oh, that looks like super soft kitty, too. All right. Finally, from Braun, pronoun she and her. Hello, lovely legumes. I had the most awesome, fulfilling night, and I want to share. Ooh, this sounds good. My (laughs) my company has recently partnered with an awesome not-for-profit org, Pass It On. They work with people experiencing homelessness here in Sydney, Australia, providing new clothes and help to those who have fallen on hard times around our city. So the other night, me and three of my workmates got to spend five hours first sorting the clothes into bags for men with a new pair of undies, two pairs of socks, two T-shirts, and a pair of pants and a jumper. For women, it's more of a shopping experience. We put all the clothes on coat hangers and line up the racks for ladies to choose what they would like to wear. It was so wonderful meeting all these amazing humans and putting smiles on their faces. If anyone has a business in Sydney who wants to partner with them or has a cloth business in need of a new cause, maybe hit up at Pass It On Clothing. It's Pass It On Clothing. And that's on Instagram and Facebook. Love your ladies' work. I've attached a photo from last night I'm in the purple hoodie in front, and for my pet tax, my love Chewbacca, keep up the awesome work. Oh. I know. Look at all these. It's a great group right there. Incredible, incredible humans. Pass it on. Um, pass it on. Clothing is where you find oh my them. God. Chewy's super cute. Oh, he's got his name on his harness too. That's in case you were wondering. This is Chewy. Um, how wonderful. I mean, doesn't that stuff feel so great? Like when you out and do stuff like that, my sister and I used to do a blanket drive, you know, where we would just walk around our fucking, you know, upper-class neighborhood and say, give us your spare blankets in your linen closet. I know you have them. Give me the blankets you haven't used in a year. And we would just get tons of blankets and then we would just drive around downtown and hand them out. It was so fun.
1: I love that. Yeah. I went and worked with Habitat for Humanity for a while and did some, build some houses. It's just... When you're giving back to people that are less fortunate than you in in whatever way that might be, because in other ways they might be more fortunate, but they're just might be lacking some necessities. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing.
0: I'm like getting blankets and you're like, yeah, I raised $80 million for human rights campaign the other day.
1: Hey, so- hey, hey, people need blankets. <laughs> Someone's got to deliver the blankets. <laughs> Thanks, my friend.
0: <laughs> next time, next time you have an HRC gala, just introduce me, bring me out. I'll just bring a blanket. Uh, and, uh, that'll be my gig. Perfect. Anyway, thank you everybody for all these really amazing inspirational. This was the inspirational do-gooder, uh, good news today. And we appreciate all of it and all of you. Thank you so much. If you have any good news you want to send to us, you do it at dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. And uh, again, if you want to become a patron, or if you want to help someone else become a patron, you can buy them a whole year for just thirty-six bucks. You do that at dailybeanspod.com as well, or you can sign up at patreon.com/slash Mueller. She wrote. Do
1: you have any final thoughts for today, my friend? I said I was going to, and I am a liar. I have no <laughs> final thoughts for today. <laughs> if you want I can give you a second, can you think one? Can you think of one? Can you think of one? Mm, final thoughts. Let's see. It's almost middle September. Uh, yeah, no, uh, my no. brain's done. Okay. Done. Yeah. Done.
0: There was a, a kind of a little bit of news today that we had to report. So I totally understand, yeah. my friend. I Thank don't,
1: you for forgiving me.
0: I don't really have any final thoughts either, but we'll be back tomorrow in your ears. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. Take everyone you know and their parents with you. And everyone in Virginia, especially. Coming up soon. I've been A.G. And I've been D.G. And them's the beans.